Ayers on the Road, Parenting in a Modern World. Here's Richard and Linda Ayer. Hello, parents and grandparents and uncles and aunts and everyone out there that cares about kids. Another Monday has rolled around, or whatever day it is that you're hearing this. We're excited to be talking with you today. It is snowing where we are. We don't know about where you are. We've been waiting for snow. We're spending the time when we're not Ayers on the road, the time when we're Ayers at home, we're usually in Park City. And this winter we've been waiting and waiting and waiting for snow. And uh, it's finally come, although it still isn't very much to, you know, make you run and grab your skis. (laughs) That's right. Um, Although we really have needed any little bit helps, I think, because the ski resorts are desperate. But last winter we had eight feet of snow out on our front porch. And so it's you never know from one year to the next what's going to help. So this week we've been out on the road again. And uh, more than speaking to other parents this particular week, uh, we've got a lot of that coming up. But this week we've been on the road trying to keep track of our own grandkids and um and our own children, I might say. And our own children. It's always interesting. You know, uh, we have two little twin grandsons that turned seven, and uh, we went up to help them celebrate their little dual birthday. And, man, there's a lot of energy in that. I told them they're actually 14 now because they get to combine their two ages, and so they were wondering about if they could start learning how to drive. <laughs> <laughs> You know those super balls, those you know things that you just barely put on the ground and they pop up to the ceiling. That is what they're like—two little super balls. In fact, they went to the kangaroo zoo for their birthday, among other things, um, a pinata, the cake, a magic show, the whole thing. But um, the kangaroo it, zoo, by the way, <laughs> is a place where they have little bouncy houses they can jump in. We don't want any of you listeners thinking they took off for Australia. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Where did they see those kangaroos? i got to have my kids there. Anyway, um, they just never run down. I've never seen anything like it. It's just absolutely incredible. But our daughter was just writing about them today, and probably many of you listening may have experienced this. They, um, This daughter was married when she was 28, and they decided to go right ahead and start a family right away. And so they had three little kids. The oldest was not quite five, and then the next one, three and a half, the next one, two, and then twins. So she had five in five years, which is Five under five. Crazy. Any of you parents out there that start feeling like, wow, I'm just being steamrolled by my children. What do I do? I can't take it anymore. Just think of our poor daughter with five under five, and you'll you'll suddenly start feeling a little better. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know, she lived in California, so we weren't really close enough to help very much, and she uh, had a lot of responsibility, including being a Relief Society president, which is a women's organization in our church, and a shepherd over a lot of other women. It was a crazy time for them, but she You know, was, let me just, well, I, before I forget to mention it, Linda, uh, we find a lot of people who listen to this radio show are also are pretty big uh, blog, pretty big in the blogger knackle. Like they get on blogs and so on. And I think it'd be a good thing. I'm going to mention 
three of our daughter's blog sites that I think you would find very interesting, especially if you listen to us, uh, you know, occasionally on the radio. And, and remind me, Linda, at the end of the show, we'll mention them again if people don't have a piece of uh, paper. But, but one is our daughter, Shawnee, whose blog spot is 71toes, T-O-E-S, dot blogspot dot com the seventy one in numerals not spelled out seventy one toes dot blogspot dot com and before you go on to the next one I have to explain why just briefly they had their youngest daughter was born with an extra toe so there are seventy one toes in their family that's where that came from right and uh, the next one is the daughter that uh, Linda was just talking about that has these twins and had five under five. And her blog address is? Five kids in five years. What else could it be? Five kids in five years dot blogspot dot com. And the third daughter, Sadie, who has just moved with her four children on a plane by herself to London, England. Her husband followed along on a later flight the same day but had visa problems, so... Imagine this young mom of ours, this Sadie, struggling with four little kids on all the planes, but made it to London safely, and there she is. And her blog is called? The Boston Chumways.blogspot.com. Or maybe just Boston Chumways. I'll take that and make sure we get it right at the end. Yeah, I think it's Boston Chumways.blogspot.com. Now, why do we mention these? Because... You know, when we think of family and when we do this radio show each week, we don't just think of, you know, one household with a, a parent and, and some a couple of parents and some kids. We, we think of a family as a larger thing than that. And many of you listening, you're not only parents. You, you may also be grandparents. You're probably also aunts and uncles. You're probably siblings to other parents who are your brothers and sisters. And family, the the more a family interacts on a macro level as well as a micro, the easier are the challenges of parenting and family. And we we would love for you, especially those of you who listen regularly to this radio show, to have a little bit of a sense of our kids and of their kids. And these blogs will give you that in a big, big hurry. I, I'm sorry we're leaving out the sons this week, Linda, but maybe we'll get to them another week. And for now... We'll just try to get everyone acquainted with our three married daughters. Yes, and I actually, it's interesting that we have brought this up because um, we, as you have these little babies, you know, you never know um, what's going to happen. The the trail that she's been on, the reason that Sarah and this daughter with the five was writing a, a post on her blog today is that those twins have become, she calls it, the best serendipity of my life. <laughs> because at the time they were born, she and her husband almost died. I mean, you can imagine with all those little kids and then have twins. I mean, well, yeah, that's true. Um, but honestly, they have had so much fun with those kids. They adore them and don't know what they would ever do without them. You just never know, though. I mean, there's some crazy stuff. Uh, that happens along the way. She was explaining that one day a neighbor brought one of her twins who could only crawl to the the door and said, is this your child? I mean, literally hanging him by his pajamas. He had crawled out a door, a tiny little crack in the front door, and he found him out in the street. 
Well, you know, not only that, I mean, then there's the other stories about right up until last summer, these two kids, these twins are in so much trouble. Um, they put a little cousin, uh, who, they were playing on a tractor, which they'd been told a thousand times not to get on. They had a little cousin on the back playing on a boat that was hooked to the tractor and suddenly accidentally started the tractor. We were not there. All of the parents were up making dinner, had no idea this was going on, and they drove around in a circle three times. Luckily, Luckily the wheel was turned, so the tractor went around in circles instead of straight through a fence or through a house or into, or the, into lake, the lake or into the little pavilion that we have down on the beach or the fence or anything else anyway it finally did stop they hit a hill that was a little too hard for the tractor and it stopped but i mean you know it's just been one thing after another but when the whole big picture is that it is the most fun that they've ever had with these twins and then today this afternoon the most interesting thing happened um, you know, with nine children, you've got to guess that somebody's always going to be in crisis. And um, so our crisis for this week happened to be Sadie, who is this daughter that just went to London. Um, she was so excited to go. They're there for six months. Her husband has an assignment there with his business, which is Bridgespan out of Boston. And um, they're going to be there. Um, and they thought they had a house all ready to go in Chelmsford. They've been all over London with those kids, four little kids, including a baby. And uh, now somebody got that house 24 hours before they got there. And she, she is devastated. She is so sad because it was across the street from the 170 steps from the train station so that they could so easily get in town. And they called and begged, could we give you more money, please, please? Nope, they wouldn't do it. So they are in crisis trying to find a place within the next seven days to live for the next six months. With these But we children. have faith, don't we, Linda? We have faith something, again, serendipitous will happen, and they'll say, well, I'm glad we didn't get that, that other house. we got a, a better place now, and things always seem to work out. But I think your point is, when you're a parent or when you're a grandparent, you've always got something to worry about. There are no carefree days. Every once in a while when we give a speech, a young parent will come up and say something like, Oh, you must feel so happy. You've got all your kids raised now. You can just sit back and relax. It must be so wonderful. <laughs> right. We usually start laughing right out loud because we usually have two or three pending crises at the moment. But you know what? That's what families are all about. They're about ups and downs, ins and outs, and they're about challenging us in every single way. If you, you parents out there listening, imagine the person you would be if you were not a parent. I mean, maybe you'd say, oh, man, I'd be just kind of relaxed. Maybe I'd be rich. Maybe I'd be <laughs> having a lot of fun. I don't think so. I think without our kids, we would be mere shadows of the, the people that our kids really turn us into, partially through the crises we endure. Boy, I call it the refiner's fire. You know, you have to be thrown into that fire, and as hard as it is and as hot as it is, it does harden you up and polish you up and give you a certain luster that's the only way to really survive through these hard times. So, you know, the refiner's fire is great. And, you know, a lot of things you can't just fix, uh, like getting a house next week, you know, then she's going to be fixed. We're confident about that. She's not right at this moment. But 
they will. They'll be fine. But then you have harder problems. And I've been with my friends this week a lot. We had a book club and, and several other things where we were with friends. And I can't tell you how many hardship, heartache stories I've heard about families that are struggling and with problems that you just can't solve this week. Um, our another, another daughter who's in crisis has this little child who I mentioned at the first that had an extra toe, which actually developed into a, a syndrome, a very rare syndrome. Well, the toe didn't develop into the syndrome. Well, no. <laughs> no, you're right about that. And we're at the point where we could laugh about it, but um, th- that little toe was an indication that there was something wrong. And after about three years, we discovered through going through a lot of doctors what it was, and it's called the Bardet Beetle Syndrome. It's very rare. It's named after the doctors that discovered it. But it, it involves some really serious things, uh, weight gain. Lots of the kids are obese and can't control their weight. Um, blindness between 9 and 15 usually, and, and that is really scary. So this other daughter called right after the other one in crisis and just saying they were going to have to give this little girl a growth hormone because she wasn't growing properly. Her pituitary gland is not working right. Have to give her a shot in her sleep every night and hope that she doesn't wake up. And then uh, issues on weight. They're trying hormone things to control the weight issues, and it's just something that's an ongoing crisis. So the point is that our goal as parenting advocates and and, uh, quote-unquote experts, and your goal, hopefully, as a parent should never be, hey, let's make this job easy. Let's make it go smoothly every day. Let's make it one happy moment after another. If that's your goal, forget about it, as they say. But if, if, if your goal is kind of similar to ours, which is let's popularize parenting, let's celebrate all the things we learn and all the things we grow from, then we're on the right page. Now we're going to take a brief break. When we come back, we're going to talk a little about something you might not immediately identify with parenting, but it actually may be the most important thing you do for your kids, and that's how you're dealing with your own marriage. We'll take a break and be right back. on the road back with you again for another 15 minutes and Linda one of the one of the you know I'm usually not so much into cliches but one of the ones that we really like I think you'll agree and one that is so so true is that the best thing you can do for your child if you're a dad is to love their mother and vice versa if you're a mom the best thing you can do for your kids is to love their dad now, there may be single parents out there that don't have to deal with that aspect of a family, but for those of us that are two-parent families, never make the mistake of divorcing, uh, excuse me, bad choice of words, <laughs> never make <laughs> yeah. the choice of separating how you behave and how you do as a marriage partnership with how well you're doing as a parent because the two are inexorably, inextricably connected. And we think that, uh, you know, frankly, I think honestly, and some may disagree with this, Linda, but I think there are more people among our acquaintances 
who are working very, very hard at being good parents than there are who are working very, very hard at being good marriage partners. Well, I absolutely agree with that. I remember when our kids were born, especially when our ninth was born, I said, Richard, I have nine children. I can't have ten children. You have got to grow up now and take care of yourself. And, you know, there is some truth to that, of course. But really, we it's so hard to remember when you have so many details to attend to as a mom with the kids that really your spouse is your first priority. And um, they're... It's just so easy to get lost in the shuffle on that. And we we tried not to do that. We did try to have a date on Friday nights, but a lot of times it was at home with a house full of teenagers. <laughs> we were doing yeah. something fun in the back room just to make sure there was somebody there. But I really want to drive home that point that when you know, when you really apply yourself in every conceivable way to being the best marriage partner you can be, to being the best spouse you can be, to doing the most you can to solidify and strengthen your marriage, you are doing the best thing you could ever do for your kids. We we happened last night to be in a, a wonderful little discussion group that we have that we call the Inklings, named after a group that C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien and others used to have in England many years ago where they would read each other their manuscripts and so on. But 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 the point is, in this meeting last night, as we were reading part of one of C.S. Lewis's books, a book called Mere Christianity, we, we focused a lot on a chapter on Christian marriage. And it, what's interesting is that at the time C.S. Lewis wrote it, he wasn't even married. He didn't get married until late in his life. But his theory of marriage, which became even stronger once he did marry, is so beautiful. And the idea is oneness. The idea is that what you may never achieve, but what you should always strive for, is oneness. Not not cloning each other, not being identical to each other, not losing your individual identities, but functioning in such a way in your family that you are two parts of the same whole and that you synergize and appreciate each other's strengths and instead of trying to get your wife or your husband to be exactly like you you appreciate the differences you work to make them synergistic and to make your family strong and i just believe when parents make that their number one goal Everything else falls into place. I, our, one of our daughters still likes to tell the story. I've, I've forgotten it, to be honest, but she hasn't, of one time when she was sitting on my knee as a fairly young girl, and I was telling her that I loved her. And I, apparently I said, and apparently she said, Daddy, is there anyone you love more than me? And apparently, 